We've been talking about grace, and I get to share um, my little part to play in this awesome series called Grace for Days. Have you guys been enjoying this series? So good. So um, this, the main scripture we've been going through is um, Romans 5, 17, and it says, For if by the trespasses of the one man death reigned through that man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? So this morning I want to talk about the gift of righteousness and reigning in life. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. I just pray that um, my words would be seasoned with your grace, God, and that they would uh, land on the hearts of every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we just um, got off of an awesome week, Thanksgiving week. How many had kids out of school all week? That was me. I actually look forward to those little breaks in the year because that means I get to sleep in just a little bit more. Um, my kids are awesome like that. They sleep in for me. So I'm sorry if you don't have great kids like me that wake you up at 6 a.m. Just kidding. Mine will sleep in. But we got to spend um, Thanksgiving in Disneyland. So um, I am still a little tired, I'm telling you. You don't go 14 hours a day and then not, like, recover. So my sister, we were talking last night. My sister's like, I don't even understand how you do that, Rochelle. You went 14 hours, and then you're up the next morning to do another 12. And I'm like, I, it's Disneyland. You just do it. You just you do what you got to do. So I'm the kind of person, like, um, I don't know how to vacation relaxing. Like, I, like, I'm the vacationer that has a planned itinerary starting at 7 a.m. And, and it's like, okay, this is when we're up. This is when we're doing breakfast. This is when we're doing this. And I've got the whole thing planned out. And everybody in my family has to come under that plan. Or they will have the wrath of the mom. <laughs> <clears throat> that includes the husband who doesn't love Disneyland as much as us saved, sanctified, and filled the Holy Ghost people. So, um, so we, we did. We had an entire itinerary. Like we had, I had the fast passes on the phone, and, and we know exactly where we're going, when we're going. And this is how I, I do life. Like I need to know what's happening next. I need to make sure that the reins are under my control. Does anybody else have that issue? Or am I just talking to myself here? And I just, it's just, that's the way that I am. I remember um, years ago, I, I'm a little bit better now. I remember years ago, we went on a vacation with some friends of ours. And it was just four of us. And I literally printed out an itinerary for every single person. <laughs> like, it, I'm not kidding when I say I have to have things go my way. And it's just, you know... Everybody in my family just understands that. 
So the last time we all went to Disneyland, now I have five kids. I have one sister. She has six kids. And then my other sister just has one kid. Um, and then it's my mom. And, and we also have Laris and Hannah. And then we also had the Robinsons this time, right? So we had a big group of people. But the last time we all went as a family, I remember this anxiety because nobody was doing what I was saying. <sighs> And I'm like, honey, I'm going to have a panic attack. <sighs> These kids aren't doing what they're told, and they're like two, right? <laughs> it is time to go, or we're going to miss the ride. And he's like, relax. So this time I was a little bit more, um, you know, just a little less controlling. And I just said, this is how I, I, I let go. You can do whatever you want, but this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and I let go. And I just did whatever I wanted to do. And there was one point Zach was like, I thought we were going to do this together. And I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing next. And then this, and then this, and then this. And he's all, oh, okay, I'm going to go with the kids. Because he took like the bigs other places. So that's just how I am. And so when we're talking about grace, and we've been talking about this thing of just letting go and let God just love you, right? And I'm all... There's this religious person inside of me that wants to control everything in my life. And so I, I use that control, sometimes I'm getting better, to manipulate the outcome even in my relationship with God. Because if I can control his response, then, then I have this little manipulative, okay, God, God, if I do this, 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 and this, then your word says you're going to do this, 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 and this. So I've taken this thing inside of me that literally wants to just have everything mapped out and lined up. And I've taken it to the extreme at times in my life to say, God, you have to fit into Rochelle's plan. Rochelle has an itinerary, God, and you need to fit inside of it. And when you don't fit inside the plan, then I can kind of think, hmm, what did I do to make you not respond the way you're supposed to? I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever had that kind of relationship with God where your, your religion and our, our religiosity and our, even our study of the word of God has led us to manipulate and control outcomes and situations? And what grace does, it, it erases the ability to do that. Because what grace says is, Rochelle, you didn't do anything to earn it. So you can't lose it. Or shall you didn't do anything for me to love you and give you grace. So how on earth do you think you can control it? And so I, that's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we reign in life and receive the gift of righteousness? So the first part in, of reign in life, you know, what does that even mean? For me, sometimes it means that if I'm reigning in life, I'm literally controlling everything. I'm, I'm in charge of everything, and I'm, I'm reigning over my life, and I'm sitting on this throne called Rochelle's life, and just manipulating and controlling every outcome in every situation. Is that reigning in life? That's what reigning in life is, isn't it? What, what the scripture says is that the reign of God is not control or coercion, but the reign of God is love. 
Isaiah uh, 16.5, it says, the government of love will be established. See, God's government, God's reign is not coercion and control. God's reign is love. That's why we, um, we kind of hit home and we, we kind of really go uh, deep with this with our kids because I don't want them to think that God is exhaustively controlling every area of their life because that leads to a lot of, um, there's a lot of outcomes that, that can um, lead them in a way that's not healthy. If they think that God controls every single thing, then they don't have to control themselves. If they think God controls everything, they can blame God for everything instead of looking inside and say, okay, what did I do? And so we have, we, we kind of hit home really hard with this point that God is not exhaustively controlling everything. Yes, God can do anything. He's in charge of everything and he rules and reigns over everything, but he doesn't rule and reign the way Rochelle does in Disneyland. His rule and reign is different because it's a government of love. His rule and reign comes from a heart of love for each and every one of us. See, God's love for me and his disposition towards me is always as a friend. His heart towards me is always, I'm your friend. See, he settled that in Christ. He settled the issue of friendship. When I think of of good friends, I think of people that love me for me. I think that after nine o'clock when the filter comes off and the makeup's gone, somebody that can really sit with me and still love me, honor me, and value me, that to me is a friend. I don't know about you, but I have those moments where I don't feel saved. Do you guys have those moments? And a friend will still love me in my unsaved moments. But see, God's disposition towards us is always friendship. The Bible says that we were enemies in our minds. See, if God's disposition towards me is always friendship, but I turn my heart away, he doesn't change his position. We change ours. He's always our friend. That's his disposition towards us at all times. So how do we reign in life? We understand that the reign of God is not control or coercion. His disposition doesn't change. And it is a, a, a government and a reign of love. See, when to reign in life means I don't have to control everything or everyone. But it does mean I'm responsible for the gifts and the value of life. And I steward everything he's given me. See, for me, in my mind, the reason why I um, want an itinerary on vacation is because when I get to go on vacation, I want to take advantage of every second and every moment. And 10 hours of sleep, to me, doesn't mean taking advantage of it. Now, some people that work a lot, maybe that means vacation for them. But for someone like me, where I just want to take advantage of every single thing and every opportunity possible, and if there's 100 rides at, rides at Disneyland, I'm going to go on 101. Like, that is the, that's the, you know, that's the the speed I go at. So for me, that is valuing every breath. That is taking advantage of every gift God has given me. That is reigning in life. The second thing is how do we receive the gift of righteousness? See, I don't take, I didn't do any good work to get his love and grace. Therefore, my mistakes won't turn his face. 
if I understand that it's his gift of righteousness he's given to me, I can't mess it up. If someone gives you a gift, a free gift, and they say, here, this is yours, you can't mess that exchange up. It's yours. It's free. I was accredited with his righteousness, and now he sees me that way. I think sometimes we look at that as like, oh, okay, now I'm, you know, God can see me because of the blood of Jesus. He's given you righteousness, so that's now who you are, not just what you wear. He's given you righteousness. It's not just what you're wearing. It's who you really are. He's clothed you, and then he's put a seed in you. That's what righteousness is, clothed with a seed. So I'm not just wearing it. I am it. He washed us, and he gifted us righteousness. You know, um, I think about you know, um, people that can do things that I can't. <laughs> I, it's, it, it's impossible to think that there's somebody out there that can do something that I can't. No, it's not true. There's lots of things I can't do. <laughs> I try to think I can do everything, but I really can't. And the Lord is, is revealing that to me, like that he's my portion and I don't have to be able to do everything or shall let other people do things. But there's things I can't do, like I can't lead worship. I make a joyful noise to the Lord in my seat in the front row, and you are all very happy that nobody gives me a mic during worship time, except to, you know, like talk and teach and stuff like that. But I can't lead worship, and so there's this gift that people have to bring us into the presence of the Lord, and don't you think we have just the most amazing worship community? I mean, they're just incredible. And then I think about my daughter as she's um, growing and she's starting to, you know, come into the gift of being able to lead worship. I just look at her and I think, I made that. So then I get to take a little bit of credit for it, because I made her. See how that works? Jesus is good to me like that. But it's the same thing. Like, people have gifts. Every person in this room, let me tell you the gift that God has given you. He has given you righteousness. He has given you the gift of righteousness. You, right now, are right standing with the Father. You, right now, are righteous before God. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did 10 minutes ago. You have been gifted with righteousness. It's yours. Now, you have a gift to give the world. It's called righteousness. You can walk anywhere, anywhere your feet take you, and you can say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You want some? You want some righteousness? Come get some, because I have it. You have righteousness. You have a gift that keeps giving, and you can give away. Say, I have righteousness. That's good. All right. I, f I think about righteousness like this, and I, I'm sure I've heard the story from someone else, but I'll, con I'll take complete credit for it myself. Um, so say, for instance, there's a, a woman, say, I have had health problems my whole life, and I've gone through my whole life with, with just struggling and, and all of these health problems, and because of my health problems, I have now taken on um, 
tons, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of medical bills. So I have health problems my whole life, and now I have all of these medical bills. And I meet an awesome, handsome, wonderful, wealthy man named Zach Wexler. And he decides he wants to marry me, and he doesn't care about my health problems or my health bills, my medical bills. So he says, okay, I'm going to marry you. The minute we have our union, all of that is absorbed in him. So now not only am I healed, but all of my debts have been wiped away. That is the same thing that happens when we come to Christ. The union that happens is you have said, okay, here, here is all of my sin and sickness and the havoc that sin has caused in my life. And now I, I'm, I come to you, God, and because of what you've done for me, you've absorbed all of my sin and all of my disease and all of the things that, that the sin has caused in my life. You've absorbed it. You've taken it away, and now you've given me righteousness. That's what happens when we come to Jesus. We've been given the gift of righteousness. And in our union with God, he just absorbs it all. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians um, 5, 14 through 21, just in case you think I made all this up. Um, It says, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and the last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be also included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah that went that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and we see And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh look. It's created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled our relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put this word square within himself with himself through the Messiah, giving the word a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter in to God's work and of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. He's already a friend with you. Before you say yes, he says yes. Before you said, God, I want to be your friend, he said, okay. Don't you know I already was, though? How you say, in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. I want to close. Um, I see this this thing. Uh, Mary and Martha is one of my favorite stories that Jesus talks about. You know, 
I love when Jesus talks about women. He does a lot. It just really validates the fact that we never needed a feminist movement. We just needed to know how Jesus felt about us. I have looked in history books, and, and I didn't live. I, 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 was, I was born in 81, so I didn't live around the time when women had to fight for equality. I just know that we didn't have to fight for something Jesus already died for. So we can put down our swords, ladies. You can put down your sword. You don't have to fight for it anymore. Jesus already died for it. You have everything you want. You have everything he gives you. So I don't know why I said that, but um, I love the story of Mary and Martha. I love this story. And probably because I see so much of myself in Martha. So much of this works-based mentality that says, I have to work and earn my way to sit at the table. So I think sometimes, maybe with Martha, maybe the reason why she didn't sit at the table is maybe she felt like she didn't deserve to sit there. How scandalous, how outrageous for a woman to sit at the feet of Jesus. What did you do, Mary, to deserve to sit there? Why aren't you up here where you're supposed to be? Don't you know where you belong, Mary? You belong in the kitchen with every other woman. You don't belong to sit at the table. You didn't do enough to sit at the table. You didn't work enough to sit at the feet of Jesus. What if Martha just had envy in her heart? What if she was envious of the scandal of grace that said, all are welcome at my table regardless of your background, regardless of your gender, regardless of where you come from? What if Martha just didn't understand who she was and she projected that on her sister? You know, I think about sibling rivalry. Sometimes my girls, they're, my kids get along all the time, 100% of the time they never fight. Um, there's never a sibling rivalry in my house. Ever. Um, I'm being sarcastic. I was a lot closer in age with my sister. Me and me and my sister are a year and 15 days apart. And um, I don't think we were like really good friends until we were adults because it was just really just terrible. But um, my girls are a little bit spread out more than that. So they, they have a little bit better of a chance to be friends at their age. But sometimes they joke around and they have this rivalry with their dad. So one of them will run up and they'll, they'll grab their dad and they'll be like, look, Hannah, I have dad. And Hannah will run up and move Sarah out of the way and grab him. She's like, no, you don't. Now I do. And they have this like little fake competition that they do, and it's really cute. But sometimes I think we do that in the body of Christ. Somebody's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and our heart says, you don't deserve that. What'd you do? What'd you do to have the grace and anointing and favor on your life to lead worship? What'd you do to become a preacher? What'd you do to earn that place? I've worked my whole life for God. What are you doing standing up there? I think Martha might have just been a little envious because the scandal of grace says all are welcome at my table. And you know, sometimes what God does is he just takes the broken, more messed up ones and says, I'm just going to use you just to make the scandal of grace that much more scandalous. The way that we respond to people with grace is that the grace of God extends all the way the grace of God extends to every person, broken, hurting, messed up, 
orphan, widow, the grace of God extends. And sometimes it's our own reflection and our inability to receive grace for ourselves. And we project that on our brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that as we grow in grace, our own grace, and understanding the gift of righteousness and reigning in life, that we would understand that that grace should be extended to every person we come in contact with. The same grace that you've been given that says, I'm taking all of your stuff, all the stuff, I got some stuff. I don't know about you, but I have some stuff that sin and death and just life has brought. But when Jesus said, I'm going to come into your world, I'm going to invade your life and take it all. That scandalous grace is not just for me. It's for you. The scandal of his love is for all of us. It's for all of us. I just want to, um, I'm going to close, but I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to invite you to come up here and just worship for a little bit if you want. But I'm going to close if you want to be dismissed. But Zach's going to sing this song. And I, if you if you just feel like I don't, maybe I don't really understand fully what the, the message of grace is the only way you can receive it is if you let go and just let him love you sometimes it's the hardest 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 thing to do in life is let go and let God especially people like me who just want to have everything right here I just want to I want to do it so it gets done right I mean, no, he did it right 2,000 years ago. I can't add to it. There's nothing I can do to make what Jesus did on the cross any greater. I just receive it. And sometimes that's hard for us to wrap our minds around that this gift is free. You just receive. So can you lift your hands up with me this morning? There's so much grace, God, that is just flowing from heaven. And I pray every person in this room would just stand under the waterfall of your love and your grace and would understand that there is nothing, there is nothing that I can do that would ever make you turn your heart away from me. There is nothing that I can do that would ever get you to not be my friend. So I receive your grace this morning, God. I receive your grace. So I'm going to open up the altars, and if you just want to worship for a few minutes, it's only 1030, so we have time before the second service. If you want to just come and receive grace, I just encourage you, come find a place and just worship the Lord. And if um, if you want to be dismissed, you're free to go. We love you. We bless you. Have an amazing week. I hope you had a wonderful, beautiful